this is Memorial Day weekend, but it's also Pentecost Sunday. Yeah. Woohoo! So we're going to talk about Pentecost today. And as I was um, praying about the message, a few years ago I actually used this same title, but the message is completely different. My title is No Power Shortage. Hallelujah! When I say shortage, what do you think of? Let me just give you this definition of shortage. A deficiency in the quantity or amount needed or expected. A deficiency in the quantity of the amount needed or expected. No one likes to hear the words, sorry, we ran out. Especially at your favorite buffet. Not good news when you hear the words, we ran out. And the chef could be taking his life in his own hands to go out and announce, sorry, there's a shortage of fried chicken. We're out. It's never a good day to hear those words when you're expecting an abundance and there's a shortage. There's a deficiency of what you wanted or you expected. You know, we live in California, and even though it rains, they'll still talk about the water shortage. There always seems to be a water shortage in our wonderful state. And you might remember a few years ago, there was a gasoline shortage, and there were short line, uh, long lines, not short lines, long lines at the pump. And sometimes, on a rare occasion here, there are power outages or power shortages. Sometimes when it gets really, really hot, I remember one year it was really, really hot in the summer and they kept talking about there was too much pull on the power grids and the lights would flicker and certain parts would have blackouts because there was too much demand and not enough supply on the power. Now, you all know my story and my, my background. If you've been here for le- very long, these two precious visitors, I grew up in Oklahoma. Can you tell? Still a little bit of an accent. But I grew up on a farm in Oklahoma, and we, power outages were a regular occurrence, particularly this time of year. You know why? Because there'd be a storm, and we were seven miles out in the country, and the electricity was on this pole above ground, and any time there was... A, like any kind of a lightning storm it hit the pole right by our house and we were in the dark many a night my dad would get out the kerosene lantern and candles and we would sit in the dark and tell stories why because there was a power outage there was a storm that knocked out the power and there was a shortage of it well i got good news for you tonight you know what that is There's never been a power outage in heaven. There's never been any kind of shortage from heaven. You know what? There's never been a storm in your life. There's never been a test or a trial. There's never been a financial difficulty that caused an outage in heaven. God the Father has never said to the Lord Jesus Christ, Oh my goodness. Pastor Mark and Heart of the Bay are making a huge demand right now. they got to pay that building off. They're making this huge demand. Just hold steady 
The lights and glory might flicker for a minute, but we'll have to get backup power. We'll have to get a, a, a generator going. Holy Ghost, round up the candles in case there's an outage. You'll never hear that in heaven. There's never going to be more of a demand than there is a supply. When it comes to health, when it comes to peace, when it comes to our financial needs being met, when it comes to the power of God being released in our lives, woo! there's never any kind of shortage in heaven. We are here tonight to magnify God, to exalt His name above every name. And in this temple, we're going to talk of His power and of His greatness. The psalmist David, just yesterday I was looking up all these scriptures in Psalms about how many times he talked about how awesome, how great, how mighty, how powerful our God is. I like this one, Psalms 59, verse 19, 16. We'll read it out of the Amplified. <clears throat> but I will sing of what? Y'all read it. I will sing of what? Yes, I will sing aloud of your mercy and loving kindness in the morning. For you have been to me a defense, a fortress, a high tower, and a refuge in the day of distress. My distress. The psalmist David was so aware of God's might, his strength, and his power that he wrote songs about it. He said, I will sing of your mighty strength and your power. Let me ask you a question. What inspires songs in your heart? Well, there's a lot of sad songs out there in the world. You know, I have to admit, I listen to country western music sometimes. I don't like a lot of it, but you know. Yeah. (laughs) He's a bad influence. He turns it on sometimes. Instead of the woman that thou hast gavest me, the man that thou hast gavest me. I'm preaching, so hey, you know, what can I say? But anyway, but you know, I noticed a lot of these country western songs. They're sad. They're sorry. They're broke. The girl left. Their dog ran away. And their pickup truck broke down. It ain't a good day. They're weak. They're depressed. They're busted. They're disgusted. Ring, ring, ring. They get the twang going real good. You know what I mean? But unfortunately, sometimes we might be listening to a country western station, and then we turn it over to a Christian station, and I'm like, wait a minute. They're doing the same. Sad, sorry, busted, broke. No! Let's sing like David did of his mighty strength. Of his power. Hallelujah. Sing a new song. Talk of his greatness. I like this psalm also. Psalms 145. And if you can't get a good song in your own heart, go and read some of these songs. Psalms that David wrote. They were songs of worship. Magnifying God. Listen to this one. All your works shall praise you, O Lord, and your saints shall bless you. They shall speak of the glory of your kingdom. And the next verse, verse 10, they shall speak, verse 11, they shall speak of the glory of your kingdom and talk of what? Your power. Hallelujah. 
when you speak of the glory of God and talk of his power, then what happens in verse 12 when we do this? To make known to the sons of men what? His mighty acts and the glorious majesty of his kingdom. Hallelujah. What do his works do? They praise him. What are his people supposed to do? Bless him. What are we supposed to talk about? His glory and his power. Our God is the most high God. Our God is all powerful. He's all knowing. He can do anything. Hallelujah. We used to sing an old song and actually it was a good line in there. My God can do anything but fail. Any of you remember that song? My God can do anything but fail. He won't fail us if we'll stand on his promises. He's not ever void of power, of mightiness, of greatness. Hallelujah. And in this temple doth everyone speak of his glory and talk of his power. Our God is the most high God. He's the most powerful God. We shouldn't be ashamed to talk about how awesome He is, how great He is, how wonderful He is. Amen? That's our God. He's not weak. He's not sad. He's not broke. Nothing is impossible with him, And then it says when we talk like that, when we sing songs like that, we are making him known to the world. And they see a God that's awesome. They see a great, big, wonderful God through what we say, through how we live, through how we magnify him. And you know, we have help to magnify him and to show forth. His mighty acts. And you know what that help is? That help is our heavenly helper called the Holy Spirit. We're talking about the Holy Spirit tonight. There is no power shortage in heaven because he sent the most powerful one. The third person of the Godhead is called the Spirit of might and the Spirit of power. The Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. And he wants to come upon us and anoint us to do mighty acts and glorious deeds in the name of the Lord. Just think about when Jesus was here on the earth and when he came. This is what the book of Acts, Acts 10, 38, tells us that Jesus came to do. It said how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost. Acts 10, 38, Holy Ghost and with power. And why did he anoint him? What did he do? Jesus went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed with the devil. For God was with him. How God anointed. I like how it said Jesus of Nazareth. 
Jesus of Nazareth was that was emphasizing his human side. He was a human being. He obviously is the son of God. But when he did these mighty acts, when he went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, he didn't do that as the son of God. He did that as Jesus of Nazareth, the son of man, anointed with the Holy Ghost and with power. And guess what? You and I have that same anointing and that same power available to us to go about doing the same works that he did, doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. Is that good news or what? We have that same power and anointing available to us. Now we're going to just track through this a little bit tonight as we work up to the day of Pentecost and the initial outpouring of the Holy Ghost. I know most of you in here have heard this, but you know what? The word bears to be repeated. We're here to remind ourselves there is no power shortage in heaven and there should be no power shortage in our lives. It's available. Hallelujah. Holy Ghost power. Holy Ghost anointing. The same spirit that anointed Jesus is in me. That same power that came upon him is coming upon us if we'll believe, if we'll receive. Now let's just look at some of the things that Jesus himself said about this Holy Spirit power. After Jesus died and rose from the dead, you know, he didn't go straight to heaven. He was here on the earth for what was it? I think 40 days walking around and appearing to his disciples and this was one of those appearances after the resurrection in luke 24 49 this is jesus talking you got your bible there it's in red this is what jesus said behold i send the promise of my father upon you but tarry in the city of jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. Where's this promise coming from? From my Father. From your Father. Who sends it? Our Father. Where's it come down from? From heaven. And then he told them, it's so important that you have this power. Go to the city of Jerusalem and wait until you be endued with this power. I looked up the word endued in W.E. Vines, and it says this, to be clothed with. Don't you like that? To be clothed with. Then it referenced this passage, and it said in this passage, it's used metaphorically to be clothed with power. Jesus was literally saying, go to the city of Jerusalem and wait until you are clothed with the power of the Holy Ghost. He's telling them the day is coming when you can put on the Holy Ghost power just like you put on your clothes. I'm happy to report that everybody in here tonight has on clothes. That's a good thing. 
hopefully you've never left your house unclothed. That would be a bad thing and wrong. But did you know that there are lots of Christians that are unclothed? They're walking around naked. They're walking around powerless. Jesus said, go and put on the clothes of power. Be clothed with the Holy Ghost power. So that says to me, if you haven't put on the clothes of power, you're naked and you're powerless. We could see it in so many Christians' lives, walking around with no power. The devil beating them up, the devil lying to them, everything terrible happening in their life. They don't know they have the power. They don't know they have the authority to resist the devil. Don't know the Word of God. That's a naked Christian. And if you're naked, you're vulnerable. But not in this place. Everybody say, I'm clothed with power. Hallelujah. Now, Jesus, again, now this was the very last time that he appeared, appeared to his disciples before he ascended into heaven. It's recorded in Acts chapter 1. And the Bible tells us as soon as he spoke these words, he was caught up into heaven. That, to me, speaks of the importance of this last message. The last thing that maybe you're going on a trip or something, and you have children that that you're going out for the night or whatever, and they're, they're practically adults, or they're older teenagers, and they're fine by, at home by themselves. But the last thing that you tell them when you leave is, lock the door. You give them these most important instructions. Lock the door. Don't let anybody in. Because you want them to remember the very last thing you say is the most important. So this is why Jesus said this to them. The very last thing that he said to them is recorded in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. And I want to read it out of the Amplified. But you shall receive power, ability, efficiency, and might when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem. That's where he told them to go and wait. In Judea and in Samaria and to the end, the very bonds of the earth. Let's just track this through. He said, go and wait in Jerusalem. That's what's in the verse prior to this. That's what he said in Luke. Go and wait. And when, you, when the power of the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you're going to have ability, efficiency, and might. Power outside of your own self. Power to carry out the Great Commission. And then he tracks it out. You're going to be my witness in Jerusalem. That was the city. In, in Judea, that would be like our state. In Samaria, that would be like our nation. And then into the ends of the earth. You want to have power to be a witness. It starts with getting filled with the Holy Spirit. 
How about a spirit of might coming up on us and giving us the ability to run our race and finish our course? Could you use that? How many of you could use some help from heaven? I like to refer to the Holy Spirit as our heavenly helper. If you want to just go through some things that he does in our lives, you should study the book of John. Start like in John chapter 14 through verse 17. You'll get blessed. The Holy Spirit has been sent to be our helper, to be our teacher, to be our guide, to be our strengthener. If you feel weak, he'll make you strong. To be our counselor, to be our advocate, to be our intercessor. He's all that we need. Jesus, when he said, I'm going to leave, but this earth, I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm going to send another one who will be with you forever. And his name is the Holy Spirit. We don't worship the Holy Spirit, but he has a position in the Godhead. He has a function and he has a duty. And it is to endue us with power. Hallelujah. To strengthen us on the inside. Glory be to God. Now, if the early disciples and the apostles that Jesus spoke this to, Acts chapter 1, verse 8, if they at the beginning, that's what this was, the beginning of the church age, if they needed to be endued with this power from on high that would give them ability, might, and efficiency to carry out the Great Commission, what do you think? about the age that we live in. We're part of the same church. They were the early church. We are the latter church. They were at the beginning of the church age. How many of you would agree with we're at the end of the church age? If they needed that power in the beginning of the church age, I submit to you how much more, how much more do we need the help of the Holy Spirit to carry out our call to end what is about to happen on the earth in a spirit of glory, to become the glorious church, to preach the gospel in our cities, in our state, in our nation, to reach the world. This is not a time to pull back from the things of God. This is not a time to deny who we are. Some people don't even want to call themselves Pentecostal. Well, I'm charismatic. I'm glossolalia. I, you know. Hey, you're Pentecostal. If you speak in other tongues, it's time to do it more and more and more and more. Hallelujah. The early church needed this power. Oh, Lord, send the power. Might not be totally scriptural, but I think it is all right to say, Lord, Send the power. I know we already came, but we could use more power. An infilling, a fresh infilling of the power of God. Now, I just came across my laptop or or my iPad this week. It's from uh, the school that Pastor Mark and I graduated from, Raymond Bible Training Center. As the RMEI director there sent this out. And I found it very interesting. He said he came across a recent article in the religion news service about a decision by the Southern Baptist Convention 
to admit missionary candidates who speak in tongues. Now, I love the Southern Baptists. I love the Northern Baptists, the Free Will Baptists, all the Baptists. Because, I mean, these people know how to win people to the Lord. And I thank God for them. I am not putting anybody that has a Baptist background down. But if you know the Baptists, Baptists typically do not speak in other tongues. And they don't endorse it. So did you hear this? This was an article a decision by the Southern Baptist Convention to admit missionary candidates who speak in tongues. The following portion grabbed my attention. This is a quote from this article, the Baptist. In so many parts of the world, these charismatic experiences are the norm. We have discovered that religious groups that oppose them get left behind evangelically. Southern Baptists have long prided themselves as among the world's most ambitious missionaries. And they have, and they've done a great job reaching countries and regions few dared to go. But we are increasingly finding, uh, finding competition. We're not competition, but that's what they said. Finding competition from fast-growing, Pentecostal Christianity, which has an, now has an estimated 3 million, everybody say, not 3, 300, 300 million followers worldwide. Then they go on to say, then, the, then this part was from the Raymond director, and I, I'm I'm one of who we are, and thank God. Rhema is playing a major role in that fast-growing sector of, church, of the church worldwide. And then he says this. Isn't it interesting that the very elements of our belief and practice that we feel the most pressure to pull back from in the American church culture, and I don't know if you know it or not, but there is pressure out there to compromise to pull back from the gifts of the Spirit, from speaking publicly in tongues. So he said that. Isn't it interesting that the very elements of our belief and practice that we feel the most pressure to pull back from in the American church culture are fueling the fires of revival in every other part of the world? My prayer he said, is that as we endeavor to reach people with the love of God, we not forget they need the power of God also. Can I get an amen? amen. That blessed me because that is so true. we got to reach people with the love of God and they need to know that they are accepted in the beloved. But folks, people need the power of God. Do you know anybody that's bound maybe by demonic oppression? How about somebody that's sick in their body? How about someone whose home is just a mess? Their relationships are broken and destroyed. A good little five points, points, points at a poem isn't going to fix the situation. They need to come into contact with the true and the living God and the power of the Holy Ghost. Everybody say Pentecostal power. 
Oh, Lord. Say that. Oh, Lord. Send a fire in your church. Let there be a rekindling of the embers. Hallelujah. You know, in this church, we desire the gifts of the Spirit to be in manifestation. We are not ashamed to be called Pentecostal, just in case you were wondering. Not here. Hallelujah. So now let's just look in the time that we have remaining at that initial outpouring of the Holy Ghost. Turn with me over to Acts chapter 2. Hallelujah. Didn't lose your shout, did you? All right. Glory. Acts chapter 2, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Let's stop right there. This was not the first Pentecost. Pentecost was actually a feast day that the Jews practiced. They had practiced it for, what, 1,500 years up to this time. It was actually first instated when they left Egypt, the Passover. And then 50 days later, it's when Moses went up on Mount Sinai and received the law, the Ten Commandments. And the Jewish people in the Bibles will tell you on that day, when he went up to Mount Sinai, there were tongues of fire that they visibly saw on that mountain. So the Feast of Pentecost represented coming up higher, getting a new revelation, and the fire of God in their midst. You know, God knows what He's doing. And He doesn't do anything by accident. So it said very clearly here, uh, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, it was on the day of Pentecost. It was on the Feast of Pentecost. Thousands of Jewish people had gathered in the streets of Jerusalem. They were there from every section of that country. They came to observe this feast. And while they are there observing this feast, whoo! Another fire fell, and they heard about it. Glory to God. Verse 2, And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Let's establish this once again. Where did that sound come from? <clears throat> that right there ought to make it firm in your heart. Speaking in tongues and being filled with the Holy Ghost is not from hell. Tongues are not of the devil. That sound on this day came from heaven. And it was a rushing and it was a mighty wind and it was so filled the house, the whole house shook with the power of God. It's awesome when people shake with the power of God, but this was such an outpouring. The whole house shook with the power of God. In verse 3, Then there appeared unto them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit 
and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Go back to verse 3. Tongues sat upon each of them. It wasn't like some of these paintings you might see in little Pentecostal churches. We had one in our little Sunday school room where they're all sitting there and this teeny little candle flame is above their head, a little like little flick of the bick or something. It wasn't like that. It said it sat on them. Verse 3, it sat on them. And when something sets on you, you feel the presence. You feel the impact. And it was the fire of God that sat on them. And it consumed them from the top of their head to the soles of their feet. The Bible tells us in Hebrews 12, 29, that our God is a consuming fire. Filled with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Tongues of fire sat on them. And when tongues of fire sat on you, guess what? Something is burned out and something else is burned in. Fire burns out what's wrong and it will burn in what's right. Think about one in particular that was part of that 120 by the name of Peter. Anybody ever heard of Peter? What is Peter famous for? What's Peter famous for? He, he, most people know Peter for denying the Lord. Everybody that's ever in Sunday school, oh yeah, Peter denied the Lord. But you know what? On this day, something happened to Peter. He came in contact with the Holy Ghost and fire. And he was changed into another person. He went from a denier to a prophesier. And I always love it that Peter is the one that the Lord chose to stand up, to stagger out into the streets. Remember, there's thousands of Jews in the streets of Jerusalem. He had a ready-made audience. And he's the one that he went out into the street and he began to preach. Unlike Acts chapter 2, verse 14, it says, And Peter standing up. I didn't have all this marked down, but I'm going to look at this. But Peter standing up. Standing up with the eleven, raised his voice, and he began to preach the word of God. Peter stood up on the outside because the Holy Ghost and fire had burned out all of that insecurity, had burned out that condemnation. How would you like to be known as the one that denied the Lord? Dear me, he could have needed counseling the rest of his life. He could have needed much therapy to get over it. He could have walked in and he could have kind of went in that upper room and kind of said, well, you know, I'm Peter. I'm the one that denied the Lord. Didn't mean to feel really bad about it. That wasn't his opening line of his message. He didn't stand up and say, I'm Peter, the one that denied the Lord. No, he stood up and he started preaching the word. And I like how he, in verse 15, it says, For these are not drunk, as you suppose seeing it is, but the third hour of the day. But this is that spoken by the prophet Joel. 
This is that fell on the day of Pentecost. And I love the fact. See, he knew his audience. He immediately quoted the book of Joel. And you can read down through there. Oh, it's an awesome message, full of power. Peter and the other disciples weren't standing there going, well, how come he gets to preach? He denied the Lord. I should preach. I never denied the Lord. Why does he get to have the first big evangelistic crusade? No, there wasn't any of that going on. You know why? Peter was a testimony. He was a testimony to the power of God. There's no power shortage in heaven to change a life. There's no power shortage to burn out guilt and condemnation from the past. He stood up as a testimony. Folks, you need what I've got. I'm not the same Peter that over 50 days ago denied the Lord. You're looking at a new man. You know what? He didn't even have to say that because they saw it. Power is heard. Power is felt. Power is seen. You may not always know how to explain the anointing, but I like what one old preacher said years ago. Someone asked him what the anointing was. He said, I ain't sure what it is, but I sure know when it ain't. But you and I don't have to be ain'ts. We got it. We got the same power. And that's how those people were looking at Peter that day. Woo, they were saying, something happened to Peter. He didn't have to tell them something happened. They saw it. They felt it. They heard it in his sermon. Oh, let me just read you some of his sermon because I like it. Verse 17. And it shall come to pass in the last days. Guess what, folks? He's prophesying about us. The prophet Joel spoke of the time that we lived in. And Peter began to speak of the same thing. It shall come to pass in the last days, says God. I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Our sons and our daughters ought to be prophesying. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. Now, I'm not going to ask which category you're in. Hopefully, you're all still seeing visions. Old men shall dream dreams. Yeah, pastor's been having some dreams. He's been telling me. Oops. Anyway. And then he goes on and he says, And on my men servants and on my maid servants. I'm glad he said that. This is not just for men. Women, hallelujah, you are a maidservant. You are a child of the Most High God. And you can have this same Holy Ghost experience. Glory be to God, hallelujah. He already said your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Woo! And then he says, I'm going to pour out my spirit in those days. They shall prophesy. I will show wonders in heaven and above and signs in the earth beneath blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood. Whoa, blood moons perhaps. Before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. 
live. Do you see your name in there? I see my name in there. I'm a maidservant. Hallelujah. The Holy Ghost has been poured out upon me. I'm a whosoever. Are you a whosoever? Have you called on the name of the Lord? Hallelujah. Isn't it good to be saved? Isn't it good to be a candidate? To be filled with the Holy Ghost and power. And then Peter, as he's wrapping up his sermon, I'm telling you, the power of God is so strong on him. These Jews in the streets of Jerusalem, they're like, whoa, whoa, what is this? Who is this? And in verse 37, he's preaching away. You don't have to pull it up. I think it's verse 37. But he, they finally, they say to him, what shall we do? How, what, tell us what to do. You know, when you present the gospel in such a way that it's full of power and full of glory, and it's the answer, people are going to be saying, tell me, tell me, how do I get saved? What shall we do? And then Peter's response, he goes on and he tells them they need to repent in verse 38, and that they shall, and then he says, for, for, repent and you shall receive the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I think he was emphasizing that again. This is not just for a select few. This is not just for the 120. He's saying if you repent, if you're a whosoever, and call on the name of the Lord and you get saved, woo, you're a candidate for what's on me will get on you. Hallelujah. He wanted to make it clear for in the last days, your sons, your daughters, whosoever. Hallelujah, verse 39, for the promise is to you, to your children, and to all who are far off, as many as the Lord will call. Hallelujah. Say, that's me. I hear the Spirit of God. He's called my name. I'm a whosoever. I have believed on the Lord. He is my Savior. And I thank you, Lord Jesus, that you also are my baptizer with the Holy Spirit. Thank you for power from on high. In the name of Jesus. Well, this is what's going to happen then in the rest of the service. You know, we quoted it in the beginning that times of refreshing, recovery from the effects of heat, is what it says in the Amplified, will come from the presence of the Lord. We already spoke out some things in the beginning, but we're not done just waiting on the Lord and being refreshed in His presence. P.T., I don't know if you could come to the piano and maybe begin to play something. Before we do that, let me uh, just share with you something I saw very quickly in the Word. The last scripture that Brenda shared, Pastor Brenda shared, is in Acts 2.39, where it says that uh, the, this promise, this promise of the infilling of the Holy Spirit is to you. Look at your neighbor and says, to you. To you. And to your children. And to your children. Okay. And uh, that, that's not just your natural offspring, but that's all your, also your spiritual kids. How many of you got some spiritual kids? How many of you got some spiritual daughters? Mm -hmm. This infilling of the Holy Spirit is for them as well. Because you want what's in you and what's on you in them and on them.
But, but here's, here's what I saw, and we need to really pray about this, and I got some really good direction during this message. It was so, so rich. And, and notice with me, it says, and to all that are far away. Now, at the time this was written, this was years and years ago, but how many of you know that there are people today that have a divine appointment with the Holy Spirit? Say it with me. There are people today that have a divine appointment with the Holy Spirit to be filled. Now, and as many as the Lord our God will call. I believe that there are thousands, not hundreds, but I believe that there are thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people in the San Francisco Bay Area that the Lord has called to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And here's what I saw. Our part is to call in those that have been called. And the way that you call is you summons with your faith faith listen faith calleth some of you aren't getting that faith calleth those that he has called by divine appointment to be baptized in the Holy Ghost and so we need to, at the end of this service, after people have been filled and refreshed, we need to do some calling. Those that are strong in their spirit have the faith to call those into this glorious harvest of salvation in the Holy Spirit. Faith calls. There's divine appointments. It's much bigger in my spirit than I'm able to communicate now, but it's, it's happening. Look at your neighbor and say, it's happening. God didn't raise up a church like this as a light in the Bay Area just for you and just for me. Hallelujah. This is for thousands, folks. This is for thousands. This is harvest time. It's harvest time, yeah. This ain't playing church time. This is harvest time. Hallelujah. Time to harvest the souls. Time to harvest those that have been called to be filled with the Holy Ghost. Are you ready to be refreshed tonight? You know what that means, don't you? That means your torch is lit. <laughs> that means there's no burning out. That means we're burning on. Amen. Woo, glory. Amen. Well, be seated just for a moment, if you would. Thank you, honey. Great word.